0: Rewind with machine Langan
1: Welcome along Coming up we'll review the GAA weekend We'll hear from Kildare manager Kean O'Neill And the Donegal and Monaghan bosses Rory Gallagher and Malik O'Rourke As well as that we'll get the thoughts of uh, Dublin and Mead bosses Jim Gavin and Mick O'Dowd Contrasting performances from the two sides there Dublin beating Mead by 10 points We'll have Gavin Duffy with his review of the rugby season As Ireland ended in a disappointing fashion With the senior side losing to South Africa And the under 20s well, it ended disappointingly, but overall it was quite pleasing. They got to the World Cup final, but unfortunately lost to England. In truth, though, there is only one place to start, and I think we all know where that is.
2: Wow! Ireland lead by
3: ah! to nil! Inside, three minutes, Robbie Brady, the oh, hero again! God. What
4: a start! So proud of everyone, everyone, the lads that give, give, us, give us the... Um, give it their all throughout the tournament, and to everybody involved, really, it's, it's been amazing. I'm sad to see it, to see it finish
3: penalty was unsavable.
4: Yeah, my heart was enough, for me. I thought I put it a bit too much in the corner but it was where I wanted to put it and, and uh, I was just happy to see it go in, so another great moment for myself but um, it doesn't mean anything the other way, well it does to me but um, it doesn't put us through. We thought we played very well in the first half and had full belief that, that, that we could make it a memorable day for us all. but. Unfortunately it wasn't the case.
3: Yeah, it's that man
0: again, Antoine Griezmann has put France in front. Two goals in the space of four minutes for the Atletico Madrid striker, taking advantage of some really sloppy defending
3: from the Republic of Ireland and sliding the ball past Darren Randolph, all the French subs... Running over to celebrate with Griezmann, Griezmann still celebrating.
5: At the end, you know, obviously um, we were chasing the game so they are going to have chances on the break. But um, I'd rather go out, you know, giving everything and trying to get back in the game than, you know, sit back and try and try and keep it at 2-1. So, yeah, like I say, we did that, we, you know, we went for it, even down to 10 men, like I say, sure they had quality on the counter-attack, but
4: like I say, I'd rather, I'd rather go out trying to fight. I think hold their heads up, we be done well I against mean, four of out teams. And especially first half tonight against the top team who could go on and easily win it. Like, so, a lot of good players in the squad now and hopefully we can build on it with a new few players coming up through the ranks, and hopefully I can stay around the team and move on for the World Cup and get the feeling back again for the country.
0: Very disappointed but also very proud too of uh, the players, how they took on that momentum from the Italian game into the game this evening. And big special mention to uh, big Shane Duffy too, he was immense. He was so unfortunate, um, he had to make that decision with the red card to, to keep us in the game as well. It's a shame he'll learn, from it. he'll learn from this game today, especially too. But he's he's definitely, he's. people keep saying one for, for the future. We, we knew that beforehand he wasn't. He was, he was for the present because of what he'd shown beforehand. And the Irish players collapsed to the floor mentally, physically. They
3: have given absolutely everything today. They are shattered. They are heartbroken. And the nation, I think,
0: reflects that. Obviously delighted that the way uh, some of the younger lads uh, performed on this stage, uh, felt that um, a twofold thing: one,
6: feeling that they belong there, and then doing something about it. I think is the most important issue. Some of them have come at, uh, come of age, which is great, and um, and it and it looks bright for the future. I mean, I, I'm saying this. I can't uh, at
0: this moment. Obviously, yesterday's game still. Very much in the forefront uh, forefront of my mind. But um, I think that when I look back at it uh, in
6: the competition, maybe in the next 10 days or something like that, have time to, to think about it, then
0: realise that those players have, have not only done magnificently now, but should be the bedrock of the team.
1: This is the Rewind podcast on News Talk. In there, you heard from Martin O'Neill, John O'Shea, Robbie Brady. Richard Kyo and Shane Duffy after Ireland's loss to France in the round of 16 at Euro 2016 of course News Talk an official broadcast partner to UEFA ex-Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan joins us as always uh, Paddy first of all how do you reflect on the tournament overall from an Irish point of view?
6: After after a bit of a, a, a wobble or a bit of a nightmare start you could say uh, uh, against the Swedes not picking up the three points and then having that, that situation with, with the Belgians where we were just totally outplayed um and then beating italy and then possibly could have could have taken the french uh didn't overall not too bad but i'm 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 a bit disappointed um in 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 the result yesterday because i thought that the french were extremely poor in the first half and that that ireland really should have uh, put the game to bed and didn't and that's the concern i have going forward uh do they believe enough um, are there are, are there enough quality players there to to be able to, to take on a team like France? Um and that is that is that is the big question. Three minutes of madness, of mad defending. And Seamus Coleman, very, very culpable for the for the second goal, was out in no man's land. Don't know what he was doing. He did the same against the Belgians the previous week and two goals were conceded because he wasn't in the good covering position as a full-back has to be. He's it just out.
1: looked like two guys got sucked onto one guy and that's what caught Ireland out for the second goal.
6: Yes, but Coleman should have been in around covering and if, Col- if Coleman was in around covering he would have been the first to get the Griezmann but he wasn't. He was holding hands with another French player about 45 yards away so he, g- he gave himself no chance and, and as a full-back your first job is to defend. Now Seamus Coleman has fallen down he's, he's brilliant going forward Wonderful striker of the ball, great attitude. But somebody's got to catch hold of him or he's got to catch hold of himself and say, I need to start learning how to defend. Because it's unforgivable mm. the three goals that, that, that were eminently uh, stoppable. You know, he, 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 he because of his lack of covering position, they conceded three. Two against the Belgians and, 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 one, one, and one yesterday. Now, I know that Duffy and and and, and made a Hames things. I understand that. But because they've made a Hames things doesn't mean to say that you as the defender turn say, oh, well, that's it, gone. You're the one then that tries to retrieve the situation. And if Seamus Coleman had been in the right position, the right covering position, that could have all been prevented and he wasn't. James McCarthy, again, for the second week in succession, gets caught up by Griezmann. He, Griezmann just walks past him for the first goal to head the w- Great header. But he yeah. walks past James McCarthy. James McCarthy's the closest Irish man to him. And, and, and it doesn't matter who he was supposed to be picking up or he wasn't supposed to be picking up you pick up the closest man around the 18-yard box and, and I mean that, that's a gimme you know you learn that at, at 12, 13 years of age and I'm, I'm sure Martin O'Neill will be, will be very disappointed when he sits down and looks at, at, at the videos of this just to see just the way how, how casual it was because it wasn't that the, that the French cut the, had, had cut the Irish open at that stage it was that, that Ireland just, just gave them two, two very very uh, preventable goals now after that the French could have gone and one by by could have got four or five, because Ireland especially when Ireland were down to uh, ten men uh, with Duffy having haven't been uh, sent off. But look at it it's it, it's a it, it's a learning curve. But but I'm I'm um, you know the lads have, the lads have done brilliantly and, and Martin O'Neill and his management team have done have done smashing. But there has to be a time when we call halt and we say. Are we going to celebrate getting beaten all the time in the last 16, or in the quarterfinal, or in, in in the group stages, or are we going to really make a make a big bold statement and say we're going to go and we'll see where all of this takes us? And, and that's that's what I'm looking for the for the World Cup, for instance. Get out of the I don't care what group it is. Get out of the group, and then we'll take it from there. And when you get to a, uh, the final of a of a competition, take it all on its merits. Go and get out of that group. And let's see where, where, where the next stage takes you. Down. Don't be don't be putting shackles on yourself and say, Well, we can't do this or we can't do that. I'm not suggesting from a moment that the players have, have said this. But it it just seems ironic that when they get a wonderful start in the in the first in the first two minutes of the game they go a goal up and I was of the belief that if Ireland went ahead of, of, of the French, that they could they, they could they they could cause an upset. And I thought, well, after this is great. Now maybe there's a second one in in, in the offing, but that never materialised, and that's 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 the downside of it. But look at there, there's lots, of, there's, there are lots of ups. And again, we we will come back to the, maybe the Harry Arthur situation. That yeah. in midfield, what what a player he and w- Alan would have Judge had to, and Alan Judge. But yeah. especially especially Arthur on, on have him on the bench, or maybe maybe even be yeah. able to start him off. But look at that didn't happen. So that's 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 for the future, and and, and let's hope that that, that the future is going to be bright because Oshin in sport in, in life never mind in sport you just don't know it's all very well people oh you've got a great now. this just be good for the world. you don't It'll know you just yeah. don't know what's going to happen players could lose form players could be injured we, we just don't know so I, I, I'm I always of the opinion take it while it's there because you just don't know when you're going to get that uh, opportunity again
1: Raf Diallo of Team 33 and off the ball also with us Raf um, Paddy brings up points there about James McCarthy and Seamus Coleman today was supposed to be about reflecting on Ireland but I think the nation has done an awful lot of that even in the short time that has passed since the France game so what I want to ask you is regards James McCarthy and Seamus Coleman because those are two pillars of our team going on like Jeff Hendrick you can add to that as well we'll get to him but Ronald Koeman is after taking over over at Everton how important is it that those two work with him and improve as players is he the kind of manager who will improve them as players is that the kind of boss he is because we desperately need that to happen as good as they can be as good as they are already we can get more out of them
2: well you look at the players that are at Southampton whether it's Virgil van Dijk at centre half who came from Celtic who has actually progressed into being one of the better defenders in the uh, in the Premier League um, I think he's improved Shane Long as well actually when you kind of look at his performances as the season has gone on now Shane Long's obviously 29 so the development curve isn't going to be as large as it would have been maybe 5 or 6 years ago um, and then you look at other players in, in that team as well Sadio Mane who's now going to Liverpool obviously for an overblown loan fee but having improved as well I think, yeah, they can improve. And you have to remember, James McCarthy is only 25. You know, he's not at a peak in terms of midfield where he will be at the age of 28, maybe. And then, you know, Coleman's a bit closer to his peak as well. And he's always had that kind of defensive side where, you know, maybe in terms of covering, maybe it's not his best role. But I think he's really grown as a leader. even look at the way he kind of talks to the media afterwards and things like that, and I think... You know, And like I know it was all supposed to be about the here and now. But look, you mentioned Hendrick as well. You mentioned Brady. What's encouraging was people like John O'Shea, Robbie Keane and uh, Shea Given were kind of phased out, even almost unnoticed. And then we have this young crop all in their mid-20s. You can throw James McLean in there. You, um, Long is still in his 20s. Darren Randolph is still in his 20s. Um, as I said, Hendrick, Brady. Um, and we have a good core there. And Shane Duffy will learn. And the World
1: Cup qualifiers are coming up. September fifth is the kickoff. We're up against Serbia. Has Martin O'Neill in the last two games, especially, kind of stumbled against what will or stumbled on? What what should be what could be his starting eleven?
6: Yes, I would. I would hope so. They 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 should have learned. myself and Roy Keane should have learned at this stage who, who their best eleven. He should have learned a long time ago who who the best eleven were. Uh, but I'm not so sure that he did. I think that over over the Italian. But the balls
1: to change it. I mean, surely he deserves credit for he that. He deserves credit for for for, for, for changing. That and look no,
6: happened. and for and for um, and, and sticking with it with the same team uh, yesterday. I heard some people say, "Oh well, if John O'Shea was there, well." I remember John O'Shea yeah. in, the, in the past season at Sunderland having absolute horrors, mm. and, and, and and didn't and play towards the end of the yes, season. Yes, and, and and not reading situations when you would have expected him to. And I remember quite vividly in in, in, in Crow Park, I think it was in 2007, wasn't it, against the Italians yeah. when Ireland or two went ahead and, and he vacates his position and goes like a, like a, a galloping really stretching back to on the, the memory. Yes, but this there. is what this is yeah. what you have to find. look at. Look look at 2002 yeah. when we had a we, we had a manager down in Japan who didn't even know that Spain were down to ten men. Wow, <laughs> that's, the, that's the lunacy of, of of what's going on. Okay, look, and this let's is, move on from 2002. Yeah, but this is what right this now. is what gets me annoyed yeah. o- after yesterday. That people, are saying, oh, wasn't this great? And uh, people are celebrating as if we won a match, and we, we've 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 done but, but nothing. I don't think they are, but it's I think
1: w- they're saying that with the limited bunch of players we have, we've actually done okay to get this far. But the sad
6: part about it was that yesterday, the French were no great shakes, and they could have taken the, uh, the French to the cleaners, and they didn't. And that's my that's my very point. That when the opportunity arises, you got to put these teams to the sword because you don't get another chance. And they were they were they were so poor in the first half; it was it was absolutely frightening. And I, I thought at halftime that unless Ireland completely imploded, that they've got to they've got to win this match. Now, unfortunately, three minutes of madness. No 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 good covering from Seamus Coleman. No good talking from James McCarthy, and and uh, Ireland are punished. And that's what happens against the the better teams. That's that's what they do to you. They just need a split second. But yeah. when you when you get them frustrated, you get the crowd in their backs. Uh, you've you, you, you've got a you've got a great chance. Now with Griezmann, you have to be you know as, as as we know he's such a he's such a talented player that you really have to be alert. And the and, and the lads unfortunately were, were, were not alert enough yesterday, and that's the that's the sad part about it. And I'm sure that Martin O'Leary and Roy Keane uh, see this. And if if they if they haven't seen it well then there's something there's something radically wrong.
2: Yeah, the one concern I would have, and it's not just in this tournament, but in this tournament and in qualifiers in the past as well, we do kind of go one nil up sometimes, and then we seem to forget what we were trying lose to lose our do. way. Yeah, and lose our way. Yeah. Um Can you like? What? That's the sad that, part. do you the, think that is?
6: That's the sad part of, uh, about it. Well, you see, what what has to happen uh, when when you get one nil up, you must have players in midfield. I'm talking about every one of them, yep. three or four of them. You must have players in midfield who are quite prepared to get on that ball and keep possession and make new angles. And when when they do that, you've got a chance of, of, of keeping the ball. And if you have to bring your central defenders into play and your full backs, fine, by all means. But don't give the ball away cheaply. See, the Irish team gives the ball away very, very cheaply, which means they uh, they expend uh, an awful lot of useless energy in getting the ball back. Whereas, whereas the clever teams. Yeah. Just knock the ball around. It looks as if they're going nowhere. No, but they're waiting they're waiting for it's like a game yeah. of chess. They're waiting for that precise moment to go and kill you. Again and looking that's forward. That's what they do.
1: Again looking forward with Robbie Brady probably staying in midfield. I think that's what most Irish fans want, yes. with Jeff Hendrick there. Harry Archer possibly coming in. Yes. Um do you think we're capable? of doing that you know maybe Wes starting behind Shane Long rather than Daryl Murphy he started there with a specific purpose against Italy and France and didn't I, have well a, I, have a, I have a
6: problem with Wes like when yeah. we need it Wes yesterday no, I know, he came on he came on as a yeah. sub and he gave the ball away more okay. often than 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 he I think he made one one pass but do like we have that the players that, that but he's gone Wes yeah. is going to be gone Wes, okay. Wes won't be around for the world cup I don't believe yeah. okay. you know and well done Wes Hull and, and 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 getting your 33 or 34 caps and 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 well done over the tournament but yeah you you've got to be looking at at the future now there's not that much coming through, but what is there? there's a nucleus of a half decent team there. There's no question about
1: better that. at keeping the ball
6: potentially. They have to yes they yeah. and, but they have to, if they if they're if they're not at this moment in time they've got to be taught how to keep the ball. It's as simple as that. They must be taught and they must have the, uh, they must have football intelligence and if, if, they, if they don't have any of that well then they're, they're in a bit of trouble. Just That's the sad let, part about it.
1: Just before I let you go, it seems that Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane will stay on. Martin O'Neill has said, "Look, it's agreed. We just have to sign." Good thing for you.
6: Uh, reasonable, but I would have. I don't think. I don't think it should have been dragged out before the Euros. I thought. I, I think that now, now is the time to go and start talking to Martin O'Neill after the Euros. I think the the, yeah. the FAI got it got it a little bit wrong. Uh, but then maybe the FAI. But they, they didn't commit though, so no. maybe
1: they were right to say, "Look, we'll we'll leave it there, and depending on how the Euros go, then we'll." Sign. Yes,
6: but it was out in the public domain. You know that's that yeah. that's where the problem. We we, we, we knew yeah. uh, to a degree what was going on. So if if, if they're happy, keen and, and and O'Neill, if they were happy, why didn't they sign straight away? Yeah. No, I don't know whether we're looking for a, a, a little get-out area yeah. that if things didn't go right at the, amongst themselves. Now I'm talking about yeah. that. Their thinking could have been, oh well, we we can always move on elsewhere. But I I hope that I hope that wasn't the thinking. That Do you hope that, they stay on. I hope they stay on. And, and and and, and, okay. con- and yes, and continue on uh, the the good work that, that certainly has been started over the last few games.
1: And Raf I think most Irish fans would be happy with that as well. Mick and uh, Mick, sorry. Mick, yeah. Roy and uh, Roy <laughs> and Mick and, Mick and, Mick and Harry.
2: <laughs> I would be. Yeah. Look, um, who else is going to come in? Um, they know the players. They've had two years with them. It, I think there's a good idea of having a bit of stability. They're the ones that have brought in the diamond formation, and actually, the likes of Hendrick and Brady have thrived let them have another run at a kind of World Cup qualifying campaign and look at the group we're in to qualify for that World Cup it's not insurmountable
6: yeah look at wasn't Henrik Magnificent yeah. in the tournament he was wasn't it, wasn't it just great now I would have one question uh, uh, or, or one observation I should say why was Jonathan Walters risked again yesterday bad bad move bad management lads I'm sorry but hand tendon injury you just you just can't do it unfortunately John, John Walters is the most honest fellow in the world but there's only so much that you can do, and and you know O'Neill and Kane really should have seen this and and not and not and not stick him out there. He okay. he, he had a he had a sort of a half chance that Walters would normally make the goalkeeper work. Yeah, he couldn't get any power into it okay. because of the injury. I think.
1: Okay, Paddy Mulligan and Raph Diallo, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Normally on podcasts, you go on about how much time you have, but again, and I have to rush off to a bulletin. While we're Of course bu- you have, yeah. To a recording. bullet or a bulletin. Bulletin. Oh, yeah. And
6: yeah. You, look, you look very you look very snazzy on, on, on television over the weekend. Thanks
1: very much, Paddy. It's a pleasure indeed. I got up specially
6: to watch it. That's the closest I to, to the closest You realise I'll get to that, don't you? The
1: closest I'll get to a compliment from Paddy Mulligan. <laughs> Paddy and Raph, thank you very much. <laughs>
6: thank you. Thank you, O'Shane.
1: Gaelic football now in the draw for Round 2B of the All-Ireland Football qualifiers has taken place. Mayo will take on Fermanagh. The losers of Donegal and Monaghan face Longford and Kildare take on Offaly. Cork were drawn away to Limerick but due, due to an agreement between the two counties... Cork will actually host Limerick in that game. Those matches taking place the weekend after next. We'll get to the Westmeath-Kildare game and the Dublin-Meath game very shortly. But first, Donegal and Monaghan playing out an exciting draw on Saturday night in the Ulster semi-final. Donegal won 11, Monaghan 14 points. It's the first time, by the way, since 1959 that both Ulster semi-finals, I beg your pardon, were draws. The last time that happened, as I say, 1959. And that might please Waterford fans because that was the last time Waterford won a senior... All-Ireland final. Am I clutching at straws here as a Waterford man? Am I sounding a bit mayo there and the fact that they always refer back to 51? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, let's hear from both managers. First, it's Malik O'Rourke.
7: I suppose the the two teams are well used to each other at this stage and uh, we
6: don't have much to learn about each other. I suppose there's a few different individuals in there on on both teams,
0: but... uh, I suppose it, it, we always thought it was going to be a, 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 a tough battle, a physical battle, and, and um, you know that's the way it turned out. And uh, I suppose they end up just going into injury time, two points down. We're, we're delighted to, to get out of it a draw. I suppose we would have liked it to go on a minute or two. We had a bit of momentum behind us, but look, at, we'll, 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 we'll settle for the draw and we'll hopefully uh, prepare well for next weekend. Rory, firstly, just give us your thoughts. I mean, you're stood on the sideline, you must feel helpless as games like that unfold.
7: Ah, yeah. Listen, you know, you're totally helpless, but look, that's the way it is. But look, it was a really exciting and end end game I think there was you know lots of ebbs and flows and we're probably a wee bit disappointed that we didn't close it out but listen Mon and a great team and you likes Connor Conor can kick them savage scores and fair play to
0: In terms of free takers in Ireland you've got Rory and Conor McManus Patrick McBriarty and Michael Murphy all were off at tonight any explanation for that? Is is just one of those things yeah, I'd say we wee is
7: a big part of it you know? I know from Michael's point of view he's not that long back training I'd, I'd imagine the game will do him the world of good but look happens I suppose
0: you're going to have to go at them again I think that will be game number nine now in league and championship in a little over three years and it did seem towards the end that familiarity is really now breeding contempt there was a lot of animosity a lot of nastiness niggly stuff out there
7: look there's a lot at stake you know I think uh You know, we know each other very well and I suppose, you know, it happens in big games like that.
1: This is the Rewind On News Talk and that was Dundee Gold manager Rory Gallagher and Monaghan boss Malik O'Rourke speaking to Off The Ball's Dave McIntyre following their draw on Saturday night. They meet again next weekend. The other Ulster semi-final replay also on next weekend. That's between Cavan and Tyrone on Sunday. And that's live on Off The Ball as is the Munster final. Between Kerry and Tipperary. Let's concentrate on what happened in Crow Park now. Uh, Westmeath overcoming Kildare and Dublin beating Meath. The commentary team for off the ball for the Westmeath Kildare game was Billy Joe Patton, Anthony Moyles, and yours truly. Uh, we'll bring you some of the highlights of the game now, as well as the thoughts of Westmeath's John Heslin, their manager Tom Cribbin, and Kildare manager Keen O'Neill. No Flynn is inside really. the 13 metre line. He's making a better angle for himself up towards the square, fisted towards the goal, and Mulick bundles it in. I'm not sure, though, will it count. Kildare think they've got the goal, they have, the green flag is raised, it's not a thing of beauty, Kildare don't care, Kildare won eight, Westmead six points, Moolik with the goal. I
4: think uh, I think the result shows for itself that we didn't panic, you know, um, no matter what you go down in the game you just have to keep going until the very end, you know, whether whether you win or lose you still have to keep battling and, uh, <clears throat> and give it your all, especially in the semi-final and uh, that's what we did, like had some serious leaders out around the middle of the field there today. You know, Joe Egan led led by example. Then Screw and Paul Sharry, like they were really the driving force for the team. You know, and uh, and and David Lynch as well. Like you know, them boys just keep kept going and. Uh you know, to run up and down the field for, for 70 plus minutes, you know, 80 minutes there, to, uh, extra time in it and everything like that, no, it's serious the now.
1: square, takes it, one yep. and now it's 1-9 47 That's and a half a
6: goal.
1: Callum McCormick sorry to cut across you with a booming effort from just outside the 45, score. he's put it over, what a score that was. And Westmead lead by three, one twelve plays one nine with about six minutes to go.
4: Yeah, well, it's a it's a, it's a panel game, you know, and uh, Callum McCormick came in off the bench and. He was running through the middle of the field. And I was calling for a ball. The next thing, he swings his big right foot at it and goes over the bar from the forty-five. You know, which was a massive score and put them back in the back foot. Like you know that, those the sort of things that uh, you need to, to win a game and, and put them in the back foot. And that's what that's what we had today. And went our way. You know, they hit the post and they had a goal chance. You know, a couple of goal chances there, but we just kept going. Our defenders rode the waves that they were bringing at us and just pulled through in the end.
7: There's big preparation for every single game. These young lads. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't know how. Amateurs do it, um, and every time I go down the train and, and the length of time they spend there and the way they have to be outside. It's like Tomas O'Shea had an article during the week. Our Irish team, professional footballers, won and did a massive game four days later, and they were there allowed having a few cans and enjoying themselves. If one of our lads are seen having a can at Christmas or over the winter, <laughs> people are shooting them. I just I just think we're gone over the top with yeah. how we're forcing these young lads they should they have to play, and but they have to be allowed enjoy life too. Yes. And you know, they have to be allowed enjoy life. The
1: referee blows the full-time whistle, and for the first time in their history, Westmead reaches second Leinster final in a row. The final score: 112 to 111. Billy Joe.
0: Oh uh, yeah, ec- excellent, excellent, really. You you, you, you know, we talked about Westmead. We thought it was going to be all down to Heslin and Martin and all that. But really, there's much a bunch of other performers that contributed to this win. And you have Ray Cannell and Paul Cherry. You know. James Dolan, they were all guys that had were putting big performances today, and that's where that's where I think you can see the the progression in this team.
5: Anthony Miles, you know they deserve to win it. I have to say, and like I mean, you know what they went for it. Could just look? You know, certain players, certain lads that you want to lead, they didn't look like they really, really wanted it. They never put any major intensity on it. They looked crippled by a game plan. They were just trying to do things that was way too intricate. They weren't going at it with
1: any kind of heart and any intensity, and Westmead deserved it.
3: Cain, okay, obviously, know, desperately disappointing defeat. What's your, your thoughts on that game?
7: Yeah, we're, we're devastated. Devastated in that dressing room. Um, it was a great opportunity for us, for both teams, but obviously we can only focus on ourselves to, uh, to step up to a Leinster final. It's been a while. Um, and for a large part of the second half, we we had that game in our own hands, and unfortunately, you know, we we let it slip. When momentum went against us, a few hours a bit of pressure came on. You know, it let them back in, particularly the goal, which is a real sickener. So, from that perspective, we're, we're really devastated, you know.
3: Yeah, is that the most disappointing thing? When you, you got yourself six points up early in the second half, you looked to be in a great position, but then not to, to score for, I think, maybe 27, 28 minutes. Well, they scored 1-6. Was that desperately disappointing?
7: It was, hugely, hugely, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes teams are just better than you and they put you under a lot of pressure and they, they force mistakes. I think during that period, we actually made a lot of individual unforced errors and they cost us, certainly, for points. Um, I thought I was unlucky for the goal. I, I thought he was fouled, as in for their goal, uh, twice. But we still had a chance to contain that situation and we didn't. And that's disappointing because we defended quite well the last couple of games, you know. Um, but in fairness, the boys showed great resilience, great character towards the end to turn a three-point deficit into into one and, and had several chances to tie it level. Missed a couple of frees, missed a couple of opportunities from play. And ultimately, you pay the price if you're not accurate, you know, if you're not uh, ruthless, if you're not precise in what you do. It cost you.
1: Well, the man who conducted that interview, Jer McNally of the Kildare Nationalist and of course of KFM, uh, joins us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Ger, different year but same old Kildare. Is that too harsh to say or is it hitting the nail on the head?
3: It's um, even getting slightly worse, I think, maybe this year. Um, certainly in, in terms of Leinster semi final, it's probably the same old story. Or right, is Kildare getting to the, the final four? Not able to get over that hurdle. And, it means it extends that run of just one length of final since 2003 for at least another year, which is really disappointing because I think everybody in Clare saw this as a, a big opportunity uh, to, to get to a length of final this year, even with a manager in his fourth season. But in fairness, I think the performances leading into this game haven't been particularly good. The Division 3 final against Clare wasn't great, and uh, Clare probably were a little bit fortunate to get over Wexler at the quarter-final stage. So... um. Although people saw it as a big opportunity, I think at the same time the team hadn't been going very well and there were injury problems as well, so uh, probably no one too surprised by the defeat, but I suppose that the manner of the performance probably a big disappointing thing really on the day.
1: We heard Anthony Moyle say in commentary, on our commentary on Off the Ball, that they looked like they kind of tried to play an over-complex game plan, they looked like they were kind of paralysed by their game plan. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah, the Clare have changed their style an awful lot in the two championship games so far. Uh, throughout the league season, they played a very uh, attacking game. Really, it was a wide open game, and as a result of that, they conceded numerous goal chances. Probably the, the Division Three League final against Clare and Crow Park was the best uh, example of that. They probably could have conceded four or five goals really in the in the first half alone. Clare has a, a number of goal chances, and even teams like Sligo and Limerick came to Newbridge during the league season and cut through the Clare defense quite easily. So. I think there was definitely a need to um, shore up the defence. And in response to that, Kildare played two sweepers, uh, Morgan O'Flaherty and Emma Bolton, uh, in the opening championship game against Wexford and again against Westmead on Sunday there. And um, defensively, I suppose there's definitely been an improvement, but at the same time, the attacking side of the game really has suffered because of that. Uh, Certainly the transition from defence into attack really has been uh, probably the biggest problem that Kildare have had in the two championship games so far. And uh, probably to to go 28 minutes in the second half without a score yesterday probably tells its own story. uh, And you win very few games if you do that sort of thing.
1: I know it sounds simple, but is it just a matter of trying to get Neil Flynn in better positions? We know he can finish with both feet. Adam Tyrrell, this is his first championship season for Kildare. We know he's a finisher, but they're just not getting enough service. And it's not like Kildare don't have the players to break up the park quickly. I mean, Emmett Bolton did it again yesterday. Ollie Lyons did it again yesterday.
3: Yeah, and I mean Ollie Lyons is probably a, a very good player in that style of game but it has to be said that Kildare um, are missing probably their two most influential players if they're playing that style of game, Paul Cribbina and Daniel Flynn who are both big, strong athletic players, very good ball carriers and can move the ball very quickly from one end of the field to the other can take it at pace and break that sort of game line uh, but you're right, in you want to say in terms of getting the ball into the forward line Neil Flynn and Miles Kelly yesterday were really start of any sort of decent service at all I uh, just look at my notes I think it was until the 21st minute before um, Mike Kelly got a touch of the ball and at the end of the score he jinked his way past Kevin Maguire and shot over very nicely indeed but Clare unfortunately weren't able to get enough ball into them and um, it probably shows that Neil Flynn is already getting a reputation for himself given how Westmead tried to look after him um, but really it's up to there to get a better quality of ball in and a better consistent supply into that forward line because without that uh, they really did struggle and um, it was surprising afterwards to hear that Keane O'Neill said that Alan Smith was fully fit we were sort of assuming that he had a bit of a knock when he didn't uh, come into the game late on at least I mean it, would have, it was a bit of a surprise to see him left out of the side at all and certainly you would have expected to see him in the second half when Kildare were struggling to get on the score sheet so it was a big surprise to hear that he was fully fit in the first selection but Keane O'Neill was just trying something different on the day
1: And how important is it that Kildare people stay patient with Keane O'Neill as you say he's in his first year he has got them promoted which was an absolute must arguably more important than anything they could have done in the Championship so you can see what he's trying to do it just isn't quite clicking yet
3: Yeah I mean uh, any manager in his first year you know it's going to take a time to settle in and um, particularly a manager who's in his first uh, year as a manager himself of course he's had a great reputation as a as a coach in different counties but Keenan's first year as a man in charge so it's bound to be a settling in period and probably patience is the key word but unfortunately it's a Something like Colaire supporters have probably heard about too often. I mean they have often been told to be patient, to be patient, I think they're gonna come good but um in this situation there's nothing really else you can do. Um the, the colaire support hopefully will come out now against Loffaly and the qualifiers and get behind this team again. Because again, there's no real choice. What can you do? Uh, as I said, he, he, there's no point in, in turning on a manager in his first year. Certainly, Cain is going to need two or three years to implement the game plan that he, he wants. And all you can hope for is it's going to be a bit of a rough uh, ground before we can get back to something a bit more um, tangible in in the near future. But certainly, there's no point in turning on, on a management in his first year. He a little bit more time than this. And hopefully, maybe next year, as you say, promotion has been already uh, guaranteed in the league. So maybe hopefully next year, with Division Two football behind the team, they can kick on a little bit more in the championship
1: that game against Offaly which Kildare have been drawn at home for that has the makings of a great occasion will either of these teams go on and contest the all ireland no but it's a local derby and it's a must win game for both and we saw with Offaly you know they did a decent performance the first day out and uh, they beat Longford and then against Westmeath who went on to beat Kildare they only lost by a point and in controversial circumstances well relatively controversial
3: yeah, and the, the two sides they know each other very well. Obviously, they've played in the league this year. It's uh, the fourth time in five seasons that they've met in the championship, and it's the fifth time in eight seasons. So, Claire have won the previous 4 They've had the better of things um, in the recent past. So, that probably only adds the uh, fuel to the Offaly fire. I'm sure they would absolutely love nothing more than to end Claire's season. Uh, particularly given the opportunity to do it in Newbridge as well, it'll be a big scalp for Offaly. So Caldera will have to be under guard, and uh, the the defeat against Westmead will have to be quickly forgotten. I'm sure they'll all uh, the players very disappointed uh, yesterday evening. Now and Keane and the management team, but uh, they just have to get the heads down on training this week and focus on Offaly because, as I said, Offaly are going to come in. They'll have a little bit more time to prepare uh, for this game since their defeat against Westmead. So I'm sure that they'll have. Uh, all guns blazing and really have the tiger the uh, getting glared and ending their season because they like said it's a local derby it means an awful lot to the people around the border up around Eden Derry Carberry Johnstone Bridge those kind of places on uh, either, either side of the border so and um, those guys Especially the players Involved in those clubs Were really good for this game But I think uh, It's a massive one for Kildare Certainly You wouldn't like to imagine Kildare's season ending uh, With the siege against Offaly and Newbridge
1: And Newbridge is a great venue And it's packed I was there for no burn Cup final it was full Kildare taking on Dublin That was last year And in 2001 This game stands out In my mind Now I wasn't there But I was working in What was then CKR At the time Carlo Kildare Radio and Kildare played Donegal and Donegal started off uh, really well and Kildare mounted a comeback. It was just one of those great occasions. So Newbridge is, is a great place. It's a great venue.
3: Yeah, um, I think that might have been one of the first year the qualifiers. It could have been the first qualifier again that Kildare ever played. I think there was a huge crowd in Newbridge for that. Um, I, I don't think the crowd, unfortunately, is going to be that big um, uh, by the time I come in. The support for Kildare probably hasn't been as as big as it has been in, in other years there's a m- number of factors in that now and uh, that's kind of Crow Park I think people are probably getting a little bit set up by travelling up to Crow Park certainly for the results that have been there for Calera over the last couple of years but a home toilet activity I hope will bring out a huge support I'm sure awfully Will certainly will travel in big numbers. They will sense the opportunity of a big scalp here for them. So I'm sure they're going to travel. So hopefully the Calais supporters can get out, get out behind the team, get out behind the manager, and cheer them on to victory. And um, certainly, like to Calais to extend the season at least one more round. The the qualifiers the way they fall, and it'll probably be a, a very difficult draw for no matter who comes through this tie. And uh, looking at the teams remaining in that uh, to to be pot, so it'll be tr- tricky to go any further. But certainly both teams will be very keen to extend the season for at least one more game.
1: Jer McNally of KFM and the Kildare Nationalists. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Thanks for watching, yeah. Cheers. So, Kildare with a bit of work to do before they meet awfully the weekend after next, awfully overcoming London at home in the qualifiers last weekend. Let's concentrate on Dublin and Meath now. Dublin winning by 10 points, 21 points to 11. There was only three in it at the break, Dublin leading 11 8. I asked Royals boss Mick Dowd what he felt went wrong in that second half.
0: When you're the challenger to the champions, you have to be really, really clinical and uh, we weren't you know we just put our hands up we weren't we got a bit of a lesson from them in the second half uh y- you know when you w- when you're moving the ball you have to move it fast if you're taking it into contact uh, against dublin you know they're just they're just turning you over and uh, we probably did that uh too many times i think in the second half and they came down and got scores off and that's a kind of a double double whammy i suppose against you but um Uh, look I know when we look back on it the second half we'll be disappointed that we didn't just keep chipping away the scores three points is not good enough Um, but I know when we look at the game we'll reflect on it and we'll take a lot of good things from it as well and we'll get ready for Derry because uh, as I said Dublin probably gave us a lesson in the second half but they've given a lot of teams that are further down their development a lesson than us so we just need to lick our wounds and, and get back on, on, on the horse in, this week You know,
1: Jim your team notched up uh, 21 points I think in the end and they're through to a Leinster final I suppose you've got to be happy with that
0: yeah yeah,
5: um, you need to be satisfied from, from a, a Dublin man's perspective uh, you know a 10 point win over over Meath, um, any day is, is, is a good day at the office, you know, we, we, we um, have great respect for, for, for the County Meath, the way they play the football, and uh, that rivalry is still strong, and um, you know, we just need to live in the moment and, and, and take, each, t- take each time we play them as it comes, but um, overall, yeah, the performance I thought was, was, was pretty good, um, a little bit patchy at times, and first quarter we created a lot of scoring opportunities, but didn't execute them that well. Uh, and that certainly gives us something to work work on. But um, yeah, overall, I thought we 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 were played quite composed, controlled football, and we you know we responded rather than rather than reacting to what Mead uh, threw up against us.
1: Rugby now in a disappointing weekend in a result sense for Ireland, the senior side losing nineteen thirteen to South Africa. Therefore, they lose the series two one. The under-20s, well, what a couple of weeks it's been for them. Beating New Zealand for the first time, beating Six Nations champions Wales. That before they even got out of the pool. When they did get out of the pool, they beat Argentina in the semi-final. However, they came up against an unstoppable England juggernaut on Saturday night in the final at the AJ Bell Stadium. Gavin Duffy was on co-commentary for News Talk for that game, the former Connacht and uh, Ireland fullback. I've been speaking to him about the rugby season at large for Ireland and for the provinces But first I asked if the 45-21 results kind of reflected fairly on the game and if the best team won the tournament.
5: It was the right result. It was the fair result. I think England on the day were outstanding. Um, Physically they dominated the the collisions and and as much as both sides went out to play rugby it does come down to collisions and that allowed England to get offloads, allowed England to to play on the front foot Um, and no lack of effort from the Irish side but just England were too good in the evening.
1: What will the Irish lads have learned from this? Because, you know, a couple of days afterwards, I suppose, we're reflecting more positively than we would have at full time. We were both very down at full time. But, you know, you have to look at the positives. They beat New Zealand for the first time at this level, beat Wales, who are the Six Nations champions, beat Argentina well in the semi-final and got to a final. So that has to be counted as progress.
5: Oh, without doubt, Oisin. And I think even um, the New Zealand game, obviously, is a standout game in terms of the victory and the manner that they produce that victory. But... Again, Wales, they won the Six Nations and they were uh, lauded as one of the best under-20 side of, from Wales over the last couple of years. So they beat a lot of quality sides and it's uh, it's the progress that we've seen from the Six Nations right throughout the tournament and the rugby they've played. And a lot of guys have got experience and, and it's not just been about a, a 15 on the starting team. The views rotate the squad. Guys got injured, guys stepped in um, and they've just played some great rugby and and. They look like a team that are allowed to go out and make decisions on the on the field. They're not just being told what to do, they're not just being told to go around the corner, they're making decisions, and ultimately that will make them better rugby players as they progress throughout their careers. And and uh, it's a great way for uh, our, the Irish 2020s to be now coached uh, in that manner as part of their development and not just uh, let's go out and try and win this game by kicking penalties. You know, it's part of their development that's been stated by Nigel Carroll and the IRFU that that's going to be very much. Uh, the focus for the under-20s now is to develop players as opposed to just trying to, you know, win games and, and leave players after a under-20 level not really any better off.
1: Because we saw, even when England raced into a lead, Ireland still trusted their skill set. Now, sometimes it didn't work out, but sometimes it did. And we saw that throughout the tournament. And I spoke to Nigel Carlin before the game and he said, yeah, we need to change how Irish rugby approaches games. We need to give guys skills. We need to get guys skilled up. And that's... You know that looked like it was after happening in this World Cup.
5: Yeah, it does, and it just allows them then when they go on to enter back into their academies or back into a provincial setup that, no matter what game they're being asked to play, they'll have the they'll have the required skill set. So they're not just pigeonholed into you know a kicking back or a counter attacking back or an out half who's just a place kicker because you know during the twenties coach thought that's how they're going to win games. They're going to kick to the corners and kick their penalties and win games. You're developing players with all round ability and all round skill levels so that. When they do step in um, to the provincial side, and whether it's with Pat Lam or it's with Leo Cullen and the rest, to produce a different display, bearing in mind conditions or the or the opposition that they can fit in seamlessly and, and deliver and offer that those, those skills required.
1: Well, that was the under twenties. How do you reflect on the Irish rugby season overall? Great for you guys in Connacht, but I suppose overall for the rest of the province is disappointing. So it's kind of a it's a kind of a mix, isn't it? It is. It's been a disappointing season Um,
5: when you take Connacht out of it. But I think the one thing is, I have no doubt that the way the season has gone and Connacht winning it, that, that's going to pull everyone else up again another level. Just similar to what Leinster and Munster did um, over the years. They, they they saw each other going on and winning European Cups and winning leagues and that pulled each other and, and the rivalry that that begun. Maybe this is a new era now where Connacht are going to be seen as the rivals of Leinster and Munster. Um, also certainly feel that they haven't produced the goods over the last couple of years and, and the investment that's been uh, pumped into their squad so everyone will feel that there's something to prove again next year, Connacht will certainly feel there's something to prove that it wasn't just a flash in the pan so it should make for an interesting 12 months and um, again we've seen uh, numerous guys put their hand up and come to the fore and guys who wouldn't have been household names at all a lot of them come from Connacht um, a few guys have got op- uh, opportunities in, in, uh, in South Africa so Hopefully we've widened the pool of players. Guys still come back from injury. So I think by Christmas time, having played New Zealand twice, Australia, and a couple of rounds of the Heineken Cup or the Champions League, Champions Cup, that we'll really know where Irish rugby is. I think at the moment it's been a tough season with the World Cup um, and guys without injured. So I think we'll we'll be able to take stock probably better off come January time.
1: Have Connacht led the way in changing Irish rugby and its approach? I mean, Connacht didn't win the Pro 12 being the Connacht from a couple of years ago, they didn't use that style. They used a a kind of a a Fijian, a Sevens, a New Zealand-esque style. And that's probably the most pleasing thing, I guess, from a Connacht point of view. And I guess the other uh, provinces are looking and saying, OK, we need to be more like that. And you can even see that in their signings.
5: Yeah, and I think, again, it's a chicken and egg. Do you go out and try and play like that? Or do you, as you said, maybe uh, introduce signings with players who have the required skill set? And then what do you do in the pre-season? Do you, do you change your preseason So you are changing the skill set of players so that it allows you to adapt and play a game. Now, Connacht, have been, it's been said about Connacht, yeah, they, they've uh, changed the style of play, but ultimately they're playing now in a way that allows them to make decisions on the field. They're not going out and saying, we, we, we expect this team to do exactly this, so we're going to do exactly this. They go out and say, well, this team might do that. This is how we're going to counterattack that. We're going to go X, Y, and Z. But if that changes on the hoof, we've got players with the ability and a skill level to produce a pass that exploits the gap somewhere else. And that's such a, that is such a shift from where, Con- where connacht have been playing but where Irish rugby has been, where we've had great coaches come in who've been able to exploit the weaknesses in opposition. But the game has moved on now, I think, and, and um, a new way of playing is allowing players to make decisions. And ultimately, that means there's always opportunities on the park. There's always space, and you have the skill set to get to that space.
1: How have things been in Connacht since that win? What is it, nearly a month ago at this stage?
5: Uh, well, things have been actually quite quiet. A lot of the lads uh, went on holiday on the Monday, Tuesday, so uh, it quietened down pretty quickly after uh, just a huge monumental weekend, really, in terms of the level of support. Right from Saturday going over to Edinburgh, the colour, the noise, the level of performance, um, the welcoming in, in Knock, the welcoming in Galway, and, and 15,000, 20,000, the number keeps on rising the more we talk about it, but... Uh, it was just a huge, huge weekend for Connacht Rugby and we've seen the knock-on effect of that now in the last couple of weeks where the uh, the trophies have been getting out into the province, into the clubs and the schools and the amount of youngsters who are um, wearing Connacht jerseys now, they know the players, they're not just um, fans or they're not just kind of uh, you know jumping on the bandwagon, they actually know the players. You know, you ask them who their player favourite player is and you get seven, eight, nine, ten names from back at you, not just Bundyaki, yeah. um, which, is, which is probably the popular name but it's just incredible the level of interest and, uh, and it's, uh, it's been a huge um, achievement by the West of Ireland and a team from the West of Ireland. I think that's the, mm. the one thing to come out of it that it's, uh, it's, it really does feel like a, a provincial-wide achievement um, and that's, uh, that's great to see. But it's, uh, the lads are back training as of Thursday, fitness testing. So oh. I have no doubt, I saw the first week of the schedule and I've no doubt they're going to come back and get their feet uh, firmly
1: on the ground again because, uh, as I said, they'll have a point to prove again next year. The cliché is, is that now is when the really hard part starts, trying to defend a title. Now that you've put yourself up on the perch, everyone wants to knock you off it. I'm not sure if that's the case. How do you feel about that from the conic point of view? I think it's uh, if you look at all um,
5: successful teams, sometimes the it's very easy to make up a lot of ground and and to you know to shift your st- your style or shift the attitude or shift the culture in an organization and you make huge inroads or huge strides initially and then to really sustain that and go to the next level to find those little inches of the marginal gains that so many people talk about in professional sport that's where it's really really hard to sustain um, to, to and find the, the advantage but I've no doubt the Connacht lads um, as I said they'll come back in the little fitness test next Thursday and uh, they'll soon find out that those marginal gains will have to be found somewhere and it's uh, as I said that's going to seep rice throughout Irish rugby, and it can only be a good thing now because Leinster and Munster, and also we we'll all feel, hang on a second, we got better players than Connacht. We should be winning the Pro Twelve. We should be better, doing better. We should be getting out of our our pool in the in the Champions League, or Champions Cup. So um, it's going to pull everyone up, and, and uh, that can only be a good thing for Irish rugby, and it's already you now even just talking about it, I'm really, really looking forward to the new season. Yeah. and another big signing made. Another big signing made. Um, just during the week, uh, another prop from uh from New Zealand, um probably relatively unknown prop but uh, I believe he's um, someone Pat knows again uh, Pat's brought over one or two gems from uh, from in and around the Auckland area and uh, very young prop and I think he's gonna be given every every amount of time he's by no means a finished article from what I understand but uh, he's gonna give time to develop and, and uh, he's only 22 23 is only a pop really when it comes to prop and so um, he's gonna be in a good environment and again it's just another option uh, He plays both sides of the scrum so it's a very uh, clever signing again.
1: And just before I let you go, let's go forward in time to 2019, the opening game in Tokyo or wherever in Japan of the World Cup. The possibility of Bundy Aki being in the centre, uh, Jared Payne at fullback, Robbie Henshaw in the centre, having come back to Connacht. Um, jokes aside, we wish him well with the move to Leinster. I, I mean, that's that's quite exciting, isn't it? Bundy Aki when he eventually is available for Ireland, if he chooses to make that move.
5: Yeah, look, it's very exciting. It's a uh, I suppose a different conversation in terms of the rules and regulations of there being making players um available for a different country after three years. It's not something I would agree with. That I would um I'd be very disappointed if in four years' time we have you know even more uh foreign players, although they'd be um, nationalized at that stage in the Irish squad. I, I don't think that's a, a good indication of firstly what we've done with this crop of players who we've just uh, seen over the weekend playing an Irish or the Irish under playing in the World Cup. Um, so I wouldn't like to see too many foreign influences, but if the de- if the guys are there and them the rules, let's pick them and let's put the best Irish team that we can out in the park. Um, and uh, how exciting would that be, alright If you had a, a cluster of players like that,
1: are they influenced in a good way or a bad way by seeing an Irish team succeed? If there's that many foreigners, if you were one of that under-20 side,
5: I, I I don't think you you you, you at that level you're you're influenced by an irish side but you're just influenced by the fact that you want to play for your country yeah. um and you're looking at the guys and, and if it's Robbie Henshaw on 13 you're thinking right how do I get ahead of Robbie Henshaw um so you're influenced by that or whether it's Bundy, Aki or whoever it is but these guys all they'll have in their mind now is is uh trying to establish themselves at at a provincial level and and uh move on then and and progress up the ranks but um certainly i just feel myself personally that i, I wouldn't like to see uh, uh you know an influx of irish um, or of uh, foreign players who are just you know ava- taking advantage of the three year rule um, I'd like to push out to five years if anything else
1: Well that's it for this week don't forget we're back next Monday as usual when we'll reflect on among other things Cavan against Tyrone in the Ulster semi-final replay and the Munster football final between Kerry and Tipperary both games live on Off the Ball this coming Sunday Off the Ball on air every night this week from 7 o'clock and I'll join you every morning just before half 7 and just before half 8 On News Talk Breakfast. Until next week, take care. Good luck. Rewind with Oshim
6: Langan.